right, we are continuing a discussion. Usually these are completely separate or almost completely separate, enough so that you don't have to have any context. Um, as I've said, when, I, when something does develop from a previous podcast, I will kind of provide the context in, in summary so, so that if you don't have the time or don't want to go back and watch that, you don't have to. Uh, you can still get the good out of this particular topic. But this one is a little bit more connected to uh, to the previous one. We were, we're beginning a, or we're continuing a discussion of mental, spiritual, emotional health. Uh, and, dis- and, and I want to distinguish, actually, emotional and spiritual from the mental. Mental health being, in my definition, the way we're treating it in this podcast, whether this is a professional definition or not, I don't know. But... Um, Mental health being those things that are actual diagnosable syndromes like bipolar and things like that. Uh, that's not my area of expertise. Uh, that's not that's not the purpose of this podcast. Uh, but emotional and spiritual health, things that are emotional results because of things that have happened to us or things that, that we have as a part of our life because of consequences of actions that we've taken like guilt or things like that those are those are treatable uh, without professional help without medication without things like that we just have to set a few things straight uh, my name is Andrew Green I am the host of uh, the idea collision here where we kind of throw some ideas together and and maybe you agree maybe you don't but hopefully uh, you come away at least thinking about something uh, from a different perspective than you than you have before we we mentioned last week, and I say this is a little bit more connected. Uh, so I'll try to summarize. We talked about overcompensation, I guess, in a in a way to summarize last week, <clears throat> where uh, where a group of people uh, or a person, but uh, a lot of times these happen in generational things because generations have similar things happening to them. Not everybody in the generation, but so. Uh, you take poverty, for example. We we talked about poverty. If if you have a generation of poor people because of Great Depression, uh, they might grow up and say, "Well, my my kids are never going to have this, and they're going to work really hard to make sure their kids don't have the same experiences that they had, not ever having to have anything." So that generation will be raised with the idea of of the value of having everything they want, and they're going to find out that it's. That, that there's some, some difficulties that come along. And that's kind of what we talked about. <coughs> and what we, didn't, what we didn't get into is that that generation might actually make a rule that is worse than the rule that their, that their parents made for them. And so uh, I want to uh, like go back and give a, you know, an, an, an unintentional result might occur. And I want to kind of, lead in with with some of these so um like imagine uh and i've seen this happen i've seen where a person brags about um the movies their kids watch like at a young age and and like how much violence there is and how much uh profanity you know like i'm i'm really a permissive dad and that that's considered a good thing you know uh they think it's like okay, so so we have kind of we've developed a worse thing. You know, was that a person that was overprotected as a kid, and so now they're going to want to let their kids. You know, they viewed their parents as extremely restrictive, which maybe they were, 
And so now, now they're going to be completely permissive and, and, and put their kids in dangerous situations because of this new rule. Now, and I, I don't want to, uh, I should pause here. I should not misrepresent my position. I'm not saying things like, and this is another rule that people have uh, or policy that, uh, you know, if, if, if we have, if we have rules that, you know, if we prevent them from doing certain things, they're going to go and look for it. So we should allow them a little bit of everything. I don't believe that. I think there are things that we have zero tolerance policies on. Uh, <laughs> so those are good to have. What I am saying is that, um, you know, we can develop a hard and fast rule without thought as to what it's going to happen. I'll, I'll give you kind of a way to define the the difference between when it's good and when it's not to do this by giving an illustration. This has been used probably a lot. I'm going to use it maybe in a little bit different way. There's a guy by the name of Todd Marinovich. Uh, depending on how old you are, you've either heard of him or you're like, who is this guy? Uh, Todd Marinovich was a, a quarterback uh, for a brief time in the NFL, uh, but backing up to that, he was an incredible high school prodigy. He was like in Sports Illustrated as a, as a high schooler uh, and then again in college. And uh, he played for USC. Uh, he won, you know, like he was, he was, a, he was a part of a, a you know, a, a good team. And uh, I, I think they won uh, like a 1990 Rose Bowl. Uh, his dad was, his dad was a, a, a person at, at USC, won a, night, a national title game. And uh, his dad wasn't a quarterback, but and and that's that's where the problem kind of stems from. He was he was like Todd Marinovich was this incredible physical specimen, and uh, and part of the the article, the original article, was how great this guy was because of his dad's training program and health program. Like he had him doing like weight training exercises before he could walk, which is really crazy now that we look back on it and a lot of people have looked back on it and used this for those illustrations of you know, like ESPN later called him like the worst sports dad of all time and uh he had uh he, his nickname Todd Marinovich's nickname was Robo quarterback and it, just because he his dad wanted him to have this like really severe regimen of training to make him more strong make him more agile and all these things and so uh, like he 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 had all these other things be other than just the diet and the the weights. He he couldn't watch uh, cartoons because cartoons were too violent. Like like all these this really rigid set of things that and, and who knows why why these got developed. That's kind of part of the mystery. Why why other than you know is there something deeper going on here? Well, probably there was. Uh, and so, so a lot of people have theorized a lot of things, and, and probably a lot of these theories are are true. Um, but wh and why didn't he succeed? Because he was incredible. He was like really good in high school and decent in college. Why didn't he succeed? Well, it turns out he was getting into drugs uh, and alcohol even in high school, uh, and then it worsened in college then it got severe and he was only in the NFL for a couple of years he was actually drafted he was he was considered so 
talented. He was actually drafted ahead of uh, Brett Favre in 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 that in that year's draft. So, what happened uh, that that this uh, that this kid didn't work out? As I say, well, the drugs explain everything, and there's a lot of theories as to why he was in the drugs, and we get why. So a lot of uh, there's some truth in some of these things. Like a lot of people say, well, if his father was trying to live vicariously, couldn't give up the dream. You know, uh, here's a USC guy. Well, that could be true. There's probably some truth to that. Uh, but he was successful in his own right. He had already won a championship of his own. Uh, he was the captain of the the, the championship team. So um, I don't I don't know how much glory years he had to relive. I mean, if you've if you've achieved, you know, a lot of people who live vicariously never achieved. But it's possible that he that he uh, was still living vicariously through his his son. Anyway, uh, or or there's another theory that that really speaks to the the drug use and say, well. Uh, and connecting it to the, and this is the theory I've heard most, connecting it to the uh, the severe treatment that you know if you if you limit and you restrict, uh, then people are going to go and seek. They're going to be curious about what they're not getting. For example, uh, like like he never had a burger. He never like he had to have special ice cream made for him if he went to a party and he would take that ice cream to a party. Like, I don't know even know how you do that without melting. But anyway, so so that he could feel it to be a part of you know the other kids' stuff. So he had to have his own special diet. He never had anything. So so someone said, well, he was so, so severely limited that he sought out all these other things. And it's like, no, that doesn't make sense to me. If you are. Um, if you are limited from eating burgers, then you will eat a lot of burgers. That's the way my brain would work. Doesn't not eating burgers for your entire growing up isn't why, or not watching cartoons isn't why you're suddenly doing cocaine <laughs> later on, or you know starting with marijuana. Th- those aren't a natural connection. There's something else going on here, uh, and there was. In fact, uh, there's a quote that. The father makes because because again, uh, all this all this stuff we say, we we rationally go back and say this guy was a bad dad. Uh, and there's a quote that of of his that's interesting. He says he says this. He says some guys think the most important thing in life is their jobs, the stock market, whatever. To me, it was my kids. Interesting, uh, because he had more than one kid who didn't think that this quote was true. The question I asked myself was, how well could a kid develop if you provided him with the perfect environment? And so in his, his own screwed up way, he was actually doing something good for for his son. Now, his daughter uh, disagrees with, with him, you know, trying to do the best for his kids. Uh, she was horribly mistreated uh, in, in terms of neglect. And that's a, a completely different story. But... Um, there's, I think, a certain amount of self-delusion that this guy was going through when we look at some of the other things that were happening in the home. There was massive abusive issues. He was incredibly violent and angry all the time uh, at sports games and, and various things that are happening. He was violent. Uh, he like, he threw a lady at a sports—I don't know how he wasn't arrested. He threw a lady over a fence um, <laughs> at a— like at a high school sports you know, like football game or something, it was like it's crazy. 
how much anger he dealt with. And of course, this came out in the family when when the doors were closed. Uh, it was so bad that Todd's mom got a divorce when he was a senior. Like took like she couldn't take it so bad uh, when she she realized that the end was almost there for Todd uh, being able to get out. She took off. I, I think she probably had the the daughter. And uh, I think Todd stayed with with the with the dad because of the training and getting ready for college. He couldn't take it anymore, so um, so he visited his mom during his freshman year, and he made this statement. And this this is where I think we connect to the drugs and the the mental health and things like that, or emotional health, whatever. He says, "I do not want to be Todd Marinovich." Um, he didn't know how to cope with being himself. He didn't like himself. He didn't like, and this is because of things that happened to him. And so he was, and all of his drug use actually, uh, when you go through kind of his, um, they they weren't experimentation type things. They they were escaping type things. Um, they were trigger things. Uh, so. His his drug use had to do with escaping, not with not with like let's go party man, uh, type of <laughs> type of drug use. So, <clears throat> you know, and we could go into the father's home life. What was his home life like? We we know literally nothing. I looked. We know nothing about his home life at growing up. But I'm, I'm going to guarantee that that level of anger that displays towards towards those around him has to do with with stuff that he grew up with, um, even even on the field as a as a, a person winning a national title, he got kicked out of the game that he, that won them the national title uh, for anger and and like, like being really super aggressive towards a referee. So um, th- there there was something happening. There was something really wrong. And. So this is where I want to kind of transition to our topic. You know, a lot of how would people trans, you know, how would people react raised in that home uh to to a person that abusive, to a person that um you know, that angry all the time and and obviously a bad parent in that direction. Well, they would probably say things like, um, we need more positive affirmation. Why? Because they got none of it, right? And so so we can see a new rule develop, and a new rule that developed in a lot of people that were that angry um, from that generation. A lot of, you know, we talked about some of the consequences of World War II and, and various PTSD and things like that. Well, you can see a lot of people developing habits that said, um, we're going to um, really deal on the positive side when we raise our kids, which is good. That's not a bad thing. Uh, so, but this also becomes a rigid rule, and so he's he becomes a part of the cycle where we're going from this extreme over to here, uh, and, and and developing a new rigid rule. And so, you know, how I will never do this to my kid. I will never limit my kid in any way, you know. Uh, And so a lot of people have made that adjustment 
and it becomes a generational thing. We see a generational value uh, that emerged. It says things, you know, like uh, uh, I'm going to be my kid's best friend. Have you ever heard of that? And that sounds wise. We want to be, you know, it's nice. Um, so I want to be careful because what I'm about to say could be mistaken. I have three home, kids at home. One of them is in college. And I am starting to be a friend with the oldest one. That's not an accident. That's by design. Um, now, I am friendly with the younger three, but I am not their friends. Uh, or I am not their friend. Uh, I'm only one person. Because, And, and here's why. Uh, a friend is a peer relationship. Right, there are things in peer relationships that are good and healthy that are not in healthy mentor relationships, uh, and and I say mentor because it's not always apparent. It could be a teacher, it can be any type of authority that you're in. Uh, those aren't friend relationships. I'll, I'll I'll show you the danger of those. I'm not saying that there's no situations in which we're not acting as a friend might. We go on vacation, we're having fun, we're on a an amusement park ride. At that moment, it looks like we're friends, right? Um, but we're not really. We're being friendly. Uh, the moment comes where I need to do something, and the parent hat comes right on, right? So I, <laughs> so really, I'm not. I'm not their friend. Uh, and and I, again, let me explain why. Uh, and, and, Use the military to have to, to, as an illustration. In the military, a private cannot go into an officer's club. An officer doesn't go, wouldn't ever stoop to go into a, pri a private's club, you know, be a bar or whatever they have on base. And there's a reason for it. It's a specific reason is because they have to keep these roles separate. You can't have a situation where you're going, you're going to have a requirement of a private and an officer goes, yeah, but he's my bud, and so I'm I'm gonna have this grunt over here do it. You you have to have uniformity, and you can't have a situation where a private is like, yeah, but he's my bud. I I can get away with not doing this thing, not not in the military, not because of it, that will cross over in a, in a in a wartime thing. You have to have lines of authority that are very clear. So, in in the home, though it's not a war. It's the same idea, or in your classroom, or whatever the authority structure is. You, you can't have, like, let's say take a, a classroom. You can't have a thing where a kid, I want to be this kid's friend. Now, again, different from friendly. We can be friendly and try to be nice, and, you know, especially with some of the, the emotional problems that kids are dealing with. That's fine. We want to be approachable as, as authority figures. But friends, when we're friends, when we're acting more in the peer relationship, well, there's homework. Well, you know, or they get a test. I don't want to give them a bad grade because then they'll be disappointed. What in a peer relationship, the uh, one of the primary uh, aspects of the peer relationship is approval uh, of uh, uh, or equality approval, uh, and um, simply wanting to be liked. And so, if a parent has this, I want to be liked. What happens is, well, if I uh, or, or a teacher, as I say, whatever the authority figure is, if I give them, if I give, if I give them a bad grade on a test that they deserve the bad grade on, I will not be liked. So, so 
Now this is going to determine how I work in the authority role. If I ground them for doing something awful and breaking the rules, they're not going to like me. Well, okay, so I won't. Or if I have this policy, they're not going to to like me. So I'm going to let them do what they want. Uh, you know, if I take a, if I limit their screen time, ah. Oh, uh, I don't like that. Of course kids don't like that. They want to do what they want to do. They don't want to be limited. If I say, listen, you were dis disrespectful to your mom. This happens all the time, by the way. Uh, you were disrespectful to your mom. You don't talk to your mom like that. Give me your phone. What? Give me your phone. You'll get it next week. Dad! And and so we, we I'm not your friend. I'm trying, uh, and this is my realization. I have 30 to 40 years to be my kid's friend when, when we will be adults and therefore peers. <clears throat> I only have 18 years to get them to that point and to train them and to, to shape them into adults. So my, my college kid is in the transition period and say so we're, we're almost friends uh, because he's still got some financial ties, not, not a lot of them because I'm letting him, as I said last week, uh, I'm letting him pay for most of his college, uh, taking care of things like car insurance or whatever. But we're so we're in the transition where I, I, I don't really shape him. He might ask me for some advice and we chat or things like that. And I, I don't like I don't discipline him or anything like that. Um and so we're almost friends. We're we're kinda transitioning to that where he'll he'll be that probably his senior year will be more like that as he's figuring out what he's doing and where his career is gonna be. We'll have that relationship. And we'll have that relationship for the rest of my life. So um you know, we get back to positive affirmation. So, so if you have that rule, you, we're into positive affirmation. Um, we have times where we want to do friend things and we want to encourage, but uh, a person who was exclusively disciplined and it was only, you know, the the even even if it's appropriate, you know, it's not appropriate to 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 take away everything from your kids. That's not appropriate. Uh, it's not appropriate to backhand your kiddo that's not appropriate so um if you it, it, even if you're doing things that are appropriate in in a positive sense um we can have too rigid of the rule the other way so say well i don't i'm never going to i'm never going to say anything negative to my kid well that you do sometimes have to say negative things to your your child. There there has to be limiting things. Um. And, and so some some parents are only going to say positive things, and, and so so we you'll hear some of these. You can do anything you set your mind to. Don't ever let anyone stop you. And, and there's a whole host of of values that that someone can train their kids with, and we hear these all the time. Well. I'm never going to dunk a basketball. I gave up that dream a long time ago. Uh, so if I have the dream that I can do anything I set my mind to growing up, I'm going to be disappointed. You told me, and, and that's a really bizarre example because obviously, you know, I, I understood that by about ninth grade. <laughs> so that that dream was gone. Um. Oh, don't ever let anyone stop you from from your pursuing your dreams or or whatever. Well, guess what? Someone is going to prevent you from your dreams. There's you're going to go for a job, and there's going to be someone in line ahead of you that's more talented or 
better connected. My dad is uh, is the person, <laughs> the hiring man, whatever. You know, what? this is not fair. Well, uh, whatever the case is, someone is going to step in front of you at some point and limit your dream. What are you going to do then? Well, if you've been taught to expect that that never happens, you're not going to know how to cope. You haven't been given that tool. Uh, and um, so the, the, and the more you've been built up to make those expectations, the harder the fall is going to be. And it's going to be very difficult. And we're going to be back with dealing with emotional consequences of that new policy. Uh, that was there to deal with the old policy, which was just as wrong, maybe more wrong. I don't know. Uh, and, and we're right now seeing the results of a generation of that type of policy, a policy that was very permissive because the other one was very restrictive. And so so we've seen like 30, actually probably a couple of generations of, of increasing amounts of uh, allowance that are uh, you know now coming to fruition where a person goes in to take a final in college, you know, here we are, we're talking about people on the cusp of being adults. And we have to have emotional support puppies during finals. Okay. I want to be clear. I, I don't blame the kids. Uh, this is not their fault. It's is something wrong with the picture, but it's really not their fault. Uh, this is the result of like two generations of really bad philosophies piled up on top of each other. And I'm telling you, this didn't exist when I was a kid. It's not just that it didn't exist. It didn't need to exist. I was not good at tests. I mean, I was good at passing tests without studying, but not at getting good grades. And I walked out, and, and okay, that's life. We're going on, and we're we're going to do whatever life is go going to have us do. And I've survived, you know, the last couple of, gen you know, decades. I didn't need a puppy, a puppy to pet. Um, why? Because I was raised with, you know, that disappointment is a part of life. These kids are not being raised to deal with that possibility, that there are other things other than what they you know, other alternatives than you're the best, you're totally totally awesome, and, and you can do anything you want. And, and when they, they can't, they don't know how to deal with it. And so, uh, you know, the good news is that if you feel these anxieties, right, understand there's nothing wrong with you. And this is the point that I, I began with. This is not a mental health issue. This is an emotional health issue. There's nothing wrong. You don't need medication. That is easily corrected. Uh, and so, and it's the same if, if you've got kids, you're like, oh my goodness, I, I don't know what's... The good news is, is it's an easily correctable problem. Uh, I'm not saying there's not going to be some work. When I say easily, I don't mean that there's not going to be a lot of work put into it. But I'm saying it, it's not like a life debilitating issue that they have. Um, that's the first thing. Or... Uh, you know, and uh, similarly, if you are raising kids, you you can correct these if you see them. You personally can help correct these. Now, the the older they are, the the more effort it takes. Uh, but we do this in a in a couple of ways. 
first of all, you have to evaluate the policies that you have in your house. Why do you have them? Trace them back to what you were raised with. Is there a connection to why you have absolute rigid policies? Uh, and how are those policies affecting other people? And again, this might not be your kids. This might be the policies you have and set and and in whatever environment that you are an authority for other for moldable people. Um, and if you are the one suffering, this is a, a little bit different. If you say, you know, I get anxiety whenever there's a a, a limit on me of any kind or if I deal with any anything that doesn't it's not copacetic with my self uh uh my self-worth uh standards that have been programmed into me you know like I can do anything my expectations aren't matter what and I start feeling this anxiety and I mean severe anxiety pressures and all these things why 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 am i suffering what what's what's going on inside there what's the mechanism why do i have these expectations first of all that i can do anything are they reasonable is it reasonable to expect that i can actually literally do anything i want to um, you know how is it impacting me in my emotional and spiritual health so um those answering those questions and and again what can i do about it i, I can adjust my self you know what they call it self talk my my self policies that i have as especially as as i'm growing into an adulthood or i am in adulthood wh wherever you're at uh and uh as you as you identify you know you can alter those and say you know what that person gave me an expectation that's not reasonable. I am, I, I can, and, and, and I don't have to be the best at everything. Um, a lot of people think they have to be the best at everything because they were told they can be. I don't have to be the best. I, I don't have to have the best job. I don't have to have the best whatever. Uh, those, and, and hopefully, uh, as you, uh, as, as you start uh, today, I hope you start and, identify if you are a person dealing with this or knowing someone who does deal with these things. I do hope that this is liberating for you uh, this week. So uh, I hope you start today and uh, and, and start evaluating um, your life, your policies, and those uh, policies around you. So, all right, have a good week. Okay.